Have you ever felt God urge you, prompt you, or direct you to do something that just didn't make any sense? Have you ever been there before? Or is it just me this morning and Pastor Josh, God urging him to not have everything bagels with every meal <laughs> in Jesus' name? I identify with that struggle. That is a real struggle right there. I wonder, have you ever been there before, though, where God challenges you to do something that just doesn't make any sense? I, I was at that very place in September of last year. If I were to try to encapsulate where we were at in life uh, in the Riddle household at that time, I was in the final two semesters of completing my, my degree. I was in a seminary program uh, working towards a master's in divinity, and I was knee-deep in my capstone study project, right? This is, this is the project that marks Everything, it is the culmination of all of your studies, all of your effort, all of your time, that, that four-year period leading up to this moment. It, it's the culmination of all of it. And I was, I was working through this project as well. I was a recruiter for an incredible business locally here in Hampton Roads. And it was at that time where suddenly my wife, Lauren's health, began to rapidly deteriorate. Crazy things going on that we didn't know what it was at the time. She was walking into walls, falling downstairs, losing her train of thought in the middle of conversations. And, and I distinctly remember looking back on that season of life and feeling, feeling like I was in the Daytona 500 driving a race car that was held together by masking tape. Like life just felt out of control. It felt like it was, it was skidding sideways. And in the middle of all of that, that company that I was working for at that time as a recruiter, um, due to market realities, they were restructuring the company. And being a recruiter, I was aware of this. I was, I was talking with my direct oversight at the time. He said, hey, Joe, we need, to, we need to back off on the recruiting a little bit. We're doing some restructuring in the company. You're going to be okay but we don't need to do quite as much recruiting right now. And my first thought when I heard him say I was going to be okay was, whew, okay, dodge that bullet. But I can remember going home and just praying about life and everything going on, and I sensed the Holy Spirit actually challenged me, hey, go back to your manager and actually volunteer to be a part of that process because I'm calling you into something new, Joe, but I'm not going to tell you until you obey me with this. And I remember sitting there wrestling, thinking, God, I'm in school. How am I going to pay for this degree? My wife has some serious medical stuff going on. I, I don't even know where this is going over here. And I have this job. It is the one seemingly stable thing in my life right now. And you're telling me to go ahead and volunteer to set that aside. And I remember my first reaction in that moment was to look at God and to say, thanks, but I'll pass. My God, I hear you, but I, I just don't know if, you're, if, if I can trust you with what you're asking me to do with this. Have you ever been there before where God asks you to do something so costly 
that it feels like following him is actually the surrender of your peace. Have you ever been to that place where following God doesn't feel like it is guaranteeing your peace, but to actually trust him at his word in that moment, it actually feels like you're surrendering your peace. I mean, I was at that place. And if you're at that place today where you're painfully aware of your problems, but you have no sense of his peace or his presence, I believe I have a word in season for you. So before we go any further, we are going to pray. And I'm believing that in our time together today, that as the name of Jesus is lifted up, you will be strengthened in the midst of your circumstance and that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So come on, let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, we pause right now in the midst of this season, in the midst of life. God, I don't know every single story in this room. I don't know every single story that people online are facing today. But God, I know this. I know that you are good, and I know that what you do is good. And I know that you are present through the preaching of your word today. And God, we remind ourselves that you are holy, that you're holy, that you don't give like the world gives, and that, God, it's your peace that you promise us today. And so I pray that as we look into your word that your presence would be known to every person here. That, Lord, those who have walked with you for some time, but they feel like they're in a valley of a shadow of death, I pray that you would remind them today that they're not alone in that place. And that, God, for those who are walking through life today and they're doing the best that they can, but they're painfully aware today that it's not adding up and they are not enough in their own strength, I pray that you would meet them in that place of weakness, meet them in that place of brokenness, and you would show them your love for them, you would show them your plan, your future, your hope that you have for those who trust in you. Jesus, I love you. I pray that uh, you would take my words and you would make them live today. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Someone look at your neighbor and say, thanks, but I'll pass. And before we go any further, I want to thank Pastor Steve and Sharon for the opportunity to bring uh, the word today. It is always a joy uh, to get to preach from the word of God. And if you haven't caught on yet, the title of my message today is that prayer that I felt like I a uh, little less than obediently gave God in that season. Uh, thanks, but I'll pass. <laughs> thanks, but I'll pass. And, and I want to talk to you. I want to talk to my own soul this morning about living life from the place of peace. I want to ask you today, um, are, you, are you walking in peace? Are, are you living a life Christian? with a genuine peace that passes understanding today? Or are you walking with just as much anxiety as the rest of the world? Because one of the things that we are promised in Christ is a peace that this world cannot imitate, this world cannot replicate. The world promises peace, but it cannot deliver on peace like Jesus Christ delivers on peace. I wonder today, are you walking in fear? Are you walking in anxiety? Are you walking under the strain of, of just trying to keep on keeping on, hoping that you're fooling everyone around you, but painfully aware on the inside that you haven't fooled yourself? Are you walking in that peace that God has for you? 
During our time together today, I want to I wanna focus in on just a few verses out of Philippians over the past year of my family's journey. Uh, these, these words have been such a, a source of strength to me time and time again, and I'm believing that today there'll be the same hope and the same blessing to you that they've been to me. And so I want to read to you just a few verses that Paul wrote. And he says this in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, just in case you missed it, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. Someone say everything. Man, he says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here it is, in the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. If you're reading out of the ESV or a number of other translations today, perhaps your Bible says it's a peace that passes all understanding. May that peace guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here we are in the middle of the Christmas season, and everywhere you go, you see words like peace, right? And even when you turn on the news, you see protesters from opposite sides both claiming to want the same thing, peace in the Middle East. They just have very different views on how you're to arrive at that place. Right? We live in a world that, that almost worships this idea of peace, but we can't seem to agree on how to attain it. Right? Everywhere we look, we see those words. They're, they're in store windows right now. They're on Christmas cards right now, right? They're on shirts. They're on, they're on coffee mugs. They're on, they're on announcements for uh, holiday parties with your company because it's not allowed to be called a Christmas party this day and age. We see these words, peace, showing up everywhere. But I want to ask a question today. Have you ever had the sense that you're surrounded by everyone else living in peace, but you're not living in peace yourself? I wonder where in your own life right now is peace under assault? Where is the enemy trying to steal your peace right now? Because I'm painfully aware of places where he's trying to steal mine. But as we're talking today, I want to encourage you not just to hear this as a a message for someone somewhere else, but every person here today, I want to ask you to wrestle with that question. Everyone online with us right now, where is your own peace under assault right now? Can I tell you something? I did wrestle with that idea of trusting God and going to my manager and, and, and talking with them and just saying, hey, you know what? We made an agreement that this, this opportunity to be a part of this team, it's been an absolute blessing, but we actually agreed it was just going to be for a season because I'm in this time of study, but when I complete this degree... The plan is about a year from now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and launch into whatever that next step is that God has for me with finishing this degree. And, and so I, I know it sounds crazy, but I just sense the Holy Spirit challenging me to just put my hand up and say, hey, if it makes a difference for someone else where this career is all that they have, pick me so they can stay. 
And my manager looked at me, and he was just like, I said no one ever. He just looked at me. He was like, I've never heard this, Joe. Like, Joe, you've got a wife. We don't, I've been walking with you and what's happening in her health. We, we don't know what's going on. You've got kids. Like, Joe, this sounds really spiritual right now. But do you know what this could mean? And this is, this is a guy that I had the honor of, of being a pastor to in previous seasons in our youth ministry. And I just looked at him and I just said, bro, this is just a chance for me to practice what I preach. And, and it was one of the weirdest moments. We actually prayed. And then he said, hey, I need to have a meeting with you on Thursday. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, we prayed about it. And then he went immediately into the boat of like, okay, we're going to walk this out now, bro. Um, and can I tell you something? In the natural, never should I have had a reason as a father, as a husband, as a provider to feel more uncertain. And yet after praying with that manager and walking out of that room, I have to tell you something. I will never forget the peace I felt when I finally trusted Jesus and chose to willingly partner with what he was calling me into. To actually say, God, I, I, don't, I don't know where this leads, but I know in this moment, I know that you're, you're in it. And here I am a year later, and I got to be honest, I'm thankful. Because what, what I felt God actually challenged me to do on the other side of that was, Joe, take that capstone project you were working on and launch it into the real world to be a support in a blessing to pastors around the world. And so not only am I on team here in our church, but there's, there's also this opportunity that God has birthed in my heart to be a support to pastors around the world. And what's crazy in this is if I had waited until launching it, which it should have been happening if everything had went the way we were thinking it could go beforehand, I'd be launching it right now. But when I look at what happened in the year after God challenged me to do that, I don't know if I would have it in me to launch it right now. Because in that following year, Lauren stepped into eternity with Jesus Christ. And it's almost like God was moving and shifting pieces in a way that I could not understand then. But I look at it now, and God in his graciousness was providing a way for me to move forward to give my best yes to raising three kids as a father by myself, but then at the same time in his grace to provide a way that I could provide for, for my children in the way that, me, that, that makes my heart come alive, which is in ministry in God's church. And I look at what God is doing through this, and I just, I see in it and I realize in it that even when you don't understand, God, oftentimes I struggle with understanding what God is doing because he's, while, while I'm playing checkers, God is playing chess. And he's just so many steps ahead of where I'm at. And there's some people here today, and I just want to encourage you to stop waiting for life's permission to walk in peace. Stop waiting for life's permission to walk in peace. It's God's will for you to live in true peace. It is God's will for you to live in true peace. But if you're going to walk in that peace, I think there's a few things you need to know about peace. And I believe that they're all actually rooted in this passage we uh, read just a few minutes earlier. 
And the first thing we need to know about peace today is this. Peace requires a shift in perspective. To really truly walk in peace requires a shift in perspective. In verses 4 and 5 of the passage we read, Paul commands us to rejoice and to be gentle. I think we oftentimes struggle with staying in that place of joy and gentleness because our vision gets out of focus in life. And one of the things I've found about peaceful people is they just see the world differently. They live in the same world that you and I live in, but they just see it differently. That that they walk into a situation. That's why I love what we're doing with Convoy. Other people would walk into that scenario and say, it's a lost cause, it's a write-off. These kids are too far gone. Even if we put the money into them, they don't have a home that could actually sustain the investment we make in them during the day. So there's a lot of groups that know about what's happening in that valley. And it's not that they can't do anything about it, but they choose to do nothing about it. But what I love about Convoy and what I love about Legacy in the heart of our church is that we're a community that says, hey, we're not going to look at it the way the world looks at it. We, We don't look at things from a worldly point of view. You see, peace has a different perspective. And what is it ultimately that peaceful people see? And I don't mean like peaceful people like, I don't know, like the world's imitation form of peace. But I mean like those, those Christian people that walk with Jesus. And their words have density. And their prayers seem to shake nations. What is it about peaceful people? I think it's ultimately this. They see what Paul saw in verse 5. Just four simple words. The Lord is near. Peace ultimately isn't rooted in how much money I do or don't have in my bank account. Peace isn't actually rooted in whether or not God answered the prayers for my wife to be healed from a 13-year battle with cancer. Peace isn't rooted in my kids getting good grades or not getting good grades. Peace isn't rooted in whether someone gives me enough attention or not. At the end of the day, my peace is rooted in this. Jesus is with me. The Lord, he is near. He is not far. He is not distracted. He is not separated from what I am walking through. But I can have peace in the valley of the shadow of death because the Lord is near. You see, peace takes root in the heart that is fixed on Jesus. Can I ask you a simple question right now? What is your heart fixed on? I mean, as a parent... It, it's, it, it, it's really easy to have your heart fixed on the idea of if I don't give my child the perfect Christmas, they're going to grow up and become an axe murderer. <laughs> right? If I don't get them this gift, like someone else gets them that gift, my kid's going to think I hate them. And what, what, what is your peace? What is your, the eye of your heart focused on right now? Can I tell you something? Peace 
isn't found in having the perfect Christmas for your children. Peace is actually found in having Christ in the middle of whatever Christmas your children will end up having. And let me tell you something. If you're not careful, you can make an idol of peace. You can get focused on just, I just want to have peace and everything I do. And then, and then you can become this passive-aggressive individual. Right? Like if I'm not careful, I can make an idol of peace in this season. Can I tell you something? The moment you start going after peace, peace won't sustain you in the same way that peace will sustain you when you're going after Jesus. Because when I go after Jesus, the outcome of his presence in my life is a peace that passes understanding. But when I just go after peace, I'll probably end up just getting peace in the best way that I can understand it. And peace without Jesus is a pale imitation of peace with Jesus. I can remember there was a season where... Um, it was, it was actually starting back to the school year, and there was a couple of vaccinations one of my kids needed to be able to be let back into school. And uh, they were horrified at the thought of needing to get shots. And they were just going on and on and on and on and crying crocodile tears. I mean, you would think it was like, hey, you're going to go in and get a shot, and the needle's so big your arm's going to fall off, Right? Like, it was just so out of proportion in their mind. And then finally, I realized with something they said in passing that they thought I wasn't going to be with them in the middle of them getting their shots. But as soon as I looked at them and I just said, hey, hold on. You're not going in that room alone. I'm going to be with you the entire time. You can hold my hand while you're getting that shot. And you know what? Immediately, they just went, oh. Why didn't you just say that? <laughs> and I look at it right now, and that's such a beautiful picture of how oftentimes we approach going through life. That the enemy steals all of our peace because he gets us so wrapped up in the problem that we can no longer see that the Lord is near. You will never be able to walk in lasting peace if you can be blinded to the presence of God in the midst of your storm. So I wonder, how aware are you of the presence of Jesus? I, I think about what Paul's writing here. Think about this. He's in prison writing these words. Rejoice! And I just imagine a clanking of a chain in the background. Right? And then he says those words, the Lord is near. I think it's interesting Paul didn't just write, Jesus is near. Because you know what? The reality is we live in a world today where people talk about Jesus, but when I talk about Jesus, other people don't necessarily think the same things about Jesus that I think of. But Paul doesn't just call him Jesus. He gives a name to him in that moment that is actually speaking to his office and his authority. He calls him Lord. The theological dictionary of the New Testament says that this name given to describe Jesus in this moment in the Greek, that it speaks to the fullness of power and authority. And isn't it interesting that Paul didn't feel like his microphone was falling off. <laughs> Paul did not feel like it was odd that all power and authority could be present and he could still be in chains. 
See, a lot of times I think our peace is missing because God doesn't move the way we want him to understand. We want peace and understanding. We want peace and understanding. See, understanding promises you peace in the present, but it leaves you to your own strength down the line. Peace, on the other hand, requires surrender in the immediate, but the goodness of God in the future. They offer opposite opportunities. One will make you feel good now, but you pay later. Buy all those Christmas gifts with credit, pay it with interest for the next 18 years. Right? Paul doesn't just say Jesus is near. He says the Lord is near. Second thing that we need to realize is peace requires a shift in communication. Someone look at your neighbor and say, talk about it. Someone write that in the chat online this morning. Talk about it right there. I want to actually show you a graph from a Time Magazine article I found. It was actually, this graph was put out in August of this year, and it actually shows the current state of what's going on in our nation right now. I don't know if you know this, but medical professionals here in the United States are talking about how we have a mental health crisis in the United States right now. If you actually look at that dark black line, that is the number of American citizens that are actually going and getting counseling, psychological help, or various forms of mental health care. It has never been higher in the history of our nation. That red line that's just flatlining at the bottom of the graph is the change in self-reporting of the state of one's well-being here in the United States. Never have people been trying harder to be healthy, and yet never have they reported lower levels of well-being. We have an inverse relationship that the harder we try to fix ourselves, the more helpless we seem to become. I want you to think about that state of our nation right now as we read the words of Paul in verse 6. He says, be anxious For nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. As I was looking into this specific verse here and how it relates to peace, that word anxious, there's a theologian, J.B. Lightfoot, he actually says that that idea of the anxious in the Greek speaks to harassing cares. Have you ever had that worry in your life that when you're going about your day, everything's fine, but the moment you just chill out and there's nothing going on, it just ambushes you? Like you put your head down on the pillow at night, and instead of sleeping in heavenly sleep, it's hellish torment all through the night. That's what Paul's talking about here. You're harassed by those things you care about. Another theologian, George Caridon, his Uh, his commentary, he actually talked about how Paul is speaking to carrying the burden of the future with your own strength. I wonder if that's you today, someone in here where it's Sunday and you're trying to solve Thursday right now. I mean, you're here, but you're not here. And you're at the breakfast table with your wife and children. You're, you're, You're checked in, but you're checked out. You're with them in body, but you're not with them in heart or thought. That's what Paul's talking about. Alfred Plummer, he wrote about how it's anxiety is the source of focusing on things 
that I cannot control. And Paul speaks to those realities and says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So Paul speaks of anxiety once, but he speaks of prayer, supplication, and requests. Peace is the inheritance of the people of prayer. Let me tell you something. For a long time, I thought prayer was what God gave me to change my world. But in this past year of walking through the passing of Lauren, I've found prayer is less about changing the world and it's more about sculpting the nature of Christ in me. All these years I wasted thinking prayer was this magical incantation to just get my world my way. And can I tell you something? Sometimes the miracle is that God changes the circumstance around you. But you know what the greater miracle is? Is that he takes my heart that is prone to wander. He takes my heart that is prone to sin. He takes my heart that is prone to fear. He takes my heart that is prone to anger. He takes my heart that is prone to judgment. He takes my heart that is prone to running away from peace and wholeness and faith. And instead he sculpts the nature of Christ in me. That's the greater miracle. It's not that the world around me has changed, but that he reaches into the core of my being and he changes me from the inside out. And even Jesus had to wrestle with this. In Luke 22, he's, he's wrestling with the reality of getting ready to go up on the cross to die for you, to die for me, to, to make humanity right once again with its creator. And in verse 42, he, he starts talking with God, and he says, God, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Isn't it good to know that even our Savior knows what it's like to not agree with the heart of God the Father in a moment, but to choose to press through and trust him anyway? You know what the next verse says? It says, and then an angel was sent and ministered and strengthened him. See, one of the things that peace requires of us is a shift in how we communicate. I want to remind us today that prayer is not a burden. Prayer is a privilege. That the rest of the world is left to struggle and toil and wrestle with their anxieties left to their own strength. But as a child of God today, you are given the privilege of bringing whatever ails you, whatever unsettles you to the throne room of God. The band can go ahead and come on back up right now. I love that old song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What does it say? There's a lot of people in here that don't know. Starts with these words. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And I'm, I'm getting emotional right now because in this past year I have felt things that I didn't know what to do with them. And not once did God tell me, you can't bring that to me. Not once. When I didn't know who I could bring it to. I mean, I'm surrounded by brothers who I know love me and care for me, but you know how pride works. You know how the enemy works. 
What's Pastor Josh Kicker going to think if I really tell him that's going on in my heart? What's Pastor Josh going to think if I actually tell him that I had that thought of unbelief in that moment? And not once did God look at me and say, what on earth is going on in your heart? Not once did he look at me and say, you're better than that. Man, I'm not going to talk to you. Your heart needs an adjustment, buster. (laughs) That might have been how my earthly father talked to me. It's not how my heavenly father speaks to me. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we forfeit. What needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Can I tell you something? You're not just called to bring things to God in prayer. We're we're called to bring them with thankfulness. Can I tell you something? That if you pray without thankfulness, you still open the door to anxiety. Let me tell you something I learned in this past year. If the enemy can't keep me from praying, he'll work hard to get me to pray without gratitude. Because gratitude requires me to remember everything God has already done. Gratitude reminds me of how faithful my God is. Gratitude reminds me of the way he helped me overcome the lion and the bear. So what is this Philistine to me today? Gratitude reminds me of the goodness of my God. Just last week, legacy offering, I was wrestling. I had an idea of what I wanted to give, and God tripled it. And it was a substantial moment for me and my family. And you know what's amazing is in that moment as I began to wrestle with it, my mind went back to the fact that in 13 years of fighting for my wife's health, I'm actually sitting here today debt-free of everything that we needed to pay for for her to get the treatment she needed. The Holy Spirit reminded me of how he called me to go to school and to study. And I struggled with it and said, God, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. And I just felt at the beginning of the education, the Holy Spirit uniquely prompt me, hey, Joe, you obey me and I will provide the provision for the education. And can I tell you something? Here I am today. I'm debt free on that seminary degree. And you know how it happened? It happened through God bringing provision in ways I never could have imagined or thought of in my own. It happened through people coming to me just saying, hey, Joe, I've been watching you and I've been praying for you and I I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me you have a need. What is it? And God just again and again and again and again providing in ways that passed anything I could have ever understood in my own strength. And yet God did it. And so then I sat there in that moment with legacy and I just thought, God, you have never, you have never not come through for me. Why would you start now? Thankfulness transforms the accent of your prayers. Takes you from the place of desperation into the place of peace. You know the last thing I would have to say about prayers or about peace is this. Peace requires a shift in where I place my trust. 
Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you something? It was 13 years of fighting for my wife's healing. And the more we tried to understand it, the less peace we had. See, the siren's call of understanding is this. If I can understand it, I can control it. But our family's medical journey has taught me that control is an illusion. And you are not promised the ability to control this life. You are promised the presence and the protection of the one who holds the beginning and the end and knows the difference between the two. And there came a point for Lauren and I where we just came to a place in our marriage where we just said, God, we want to understand. And we don't. But you know what? There's a peace that passes understanding. So as much as we want to understand, thanks, but we pass. We choose to walk in peace instead. And that is when my wife got that phrase that many of you have heard before, I will never trade the things I know about God for the things I do not understand. A lot of us, we lose our way in our faith life because we don't understand how God is working. And I want to tell you something. When it comes to walking in peace, it's not that eventually you arrive and you're just going to understand everything in the Christian journey because let me show you something. Let me show you a picture That is what many people think is the end of Lauren's story. It's actually the very beginning. And I don't understand the story God is writing. I don't. But I'll never forget that moment where I sat at the cemetery and they said, what do you want on her, her gravestone? And I was thinking through all these verses and then a lightning rod out of nowhere in that moment where the, those words... I will never exchange the things I know about God for the things I do not understand. We staked our lives on that for quite some time. And there are some people here, and I believe the word in season for you today is don't trade the goodness of God for what you can understand in your human frailty. And you're here today. Ultimately, the peace of God is this. It is a test of lordship. Do I trust God more than I trust myself? Do I trust God more than I trust my ability to understand it in my own strength? And peace is found when you settle one thing in your heart. I can trust Jesus. I understand less than ever before. I have bigger question marks than ever before. But you know what? I'm learning. Through it all, I can trust Jesus, and you can too. Death took its best shot at my wife. You ask my daughter to look at that picture and say, where's mommy? She'll say, her bones are there, but she's with Jesus. Death, 
death took its best shot, but the reality is, is Lauren is secure with God and my children are walking with Christ. I don't understand it, but I have peace. Peace. 